Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Chris Evans here, and welcome to the best of the Breakfast Show podcast from Virgin Radio. In the week that we said goodbye to Her Majesty the Queen, our Majesty the Queen, our Queen, Queen Elizabeth II. Coming up today, British TV legend Seleni Henry discusses his new memoir, Rising to the Surface. The always hilarious Russell Howard chats about the return of the Russell Howard Hour on Skymax. Awesome actor Damien Maloney fills us in on the brand new series of Skymax's Brassic. All of that and so much more to come. So Jack, kick things off and tell us who's up first. He has played Othello on the stage and even had a TV show named after him. But I have a theory. I believe his greatest role is that he is secretly Pudsy Bear. (laughs) His new memoir, Rising to the Surface, is out now. From Dudley to Middle Earth, he's got stories aplenty. Knight of the Realm and Knight of Our Hearts. It's Sir Lenny Henry! How'd you that like that? That's crazy. How'd you like that, Apples? <laughs> wow! That's a lot of. I'd have cut down on the caffeine. Half, so says you. By half, maybe. This is. He's channeling his inner younger Lenny. In a, which yeah, you well, about. Oh, I got a goodness. lot of energy, but that's uh, that's off the chain. Thank you very much by for the that way, introduction. By the way, what a book, Lenny. This is a great book. Oh, thank you. Oh, mate. I, it, was, it was such an enjoyable, fascinating and enlightening read. I've known you for a while. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have known you uh, and all the gang. You know, I was very much a student uh, of what we do for a living now in one way or another watching you and your pals and um, your ex-missus on telly. Uh, but I didn't know half of the stuff that's in the book. Brilliant. Let's go back to, first of all, New Faces, 1970s. Uh, for people who don't know what New Faces was, it was very much the, the sort of... Uh, because of Britain's Got Talent, rather than more than anything else. So, so it's, yeah, it was it was a it was a talent show that was set in the Midlands at ATV Studios, where they made Crossroads. And so I got to see the Crossroads Studios when I was sixteen years old. Couldn't believe it. Also, subsidised canteen, which meant that you got virtually free egg and bacon. I loved it at ATV Studios. And um, you basically went in there and you did a practice during the day, and then suddenly you were on television in front of 16 million people that evening Um, and it changed my life it was a absolute game changer there was a panel of people and there were comedians and social commentators of the day Tony Hatch who wrote Downtown and Don't Sleep in the Subway Baby was the Simon Cowell of his day and the theme tune to Crossroads and the theme tune to Crossroads I think Clifford Elson who was a Daily Mail critic was on and Martin Jackson who was also a TV critic and Arthur Askey comedian Ted Ray comedian and they basically gave you marks out of 10 for personality content and things like that and uh, Tony Hatch who was the, the kind of real mean-spirited, he-appeared guy of the day, gave me 10 out of 10 and just said I had potential. He's like the Simon Cowell of his day. He's like the Simon Cowell of his day. He said, Lenny Henry's got potential, watch this space kind of thing. And you were 15 at the time. I was 16. 16 at the time. And the the week after I was on the show, mid-January, I was in Leicester for some reason, and a bus driver stopped the bus. This black bus driver stopped the bus and went, Lenny Henry! And I thought, ooh, okay, that's different. 
That had never happened before. My life had completely changed within the space of two or three days. And so Extraordinary. What, uh, so from that, to t- we're going to have to fast forward loads because there's so much in the book, right? right. Fast forward to Tiz Was. Tiz right. Was was extraordinary, anarchic children's television show produced and written by Chris Tarrant, featuring people like Frank Carson, John Gorman, Bob Cowdery's and Spit the dog and the brilliant Sally James and it was basically a wake up on a Saturday morning and go crazy uh, uh, like in opposition to Swap Shop which is the BBC let's all do our homework and just eat a nutritious meal while we watch television we were more like yeah this is what we want that was our version of Saturday morning television and um, it was fantastic and when you see me in any video on Tizwas in the archives looking happy on Tizwas it's because I was it yeah, was probably was. one of the best times of my life. Oh, you were on Tiz Was. You Tiz were on Tiz Was. Lenny, there's so much to go through here. And it's all that, in the book, ladies and gentlemen. It is, it is, and it's brilliant. We've missed out the Cannon and Ball era. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, I thank you. So Cannon and Ball, um, Summer Seasons, just speak to that for a second. I did Summer Seasons for several years, and uh, it's basically, if you're a comedian, it's like being in the Foreign Legion. You get sent somewhere for 22 <laughs> weeks, and you have to do two shows a day and like it. And I had to do the North a theatre in Blackpool it's basically walking half a mile out into the North Sea just by the bottle in Metropole Hotel and then doing a show for twice a week and you knew it was going to be bad because you'd walk out and there'd be all these ste- <laughs> these audiences steaming because they have been in the rain for an hour waiting to get in and um, Ken Dodd used to overrun on his first show so he'd always do an hour like 90 minutes uh, which was far longer than he was supposed to do and then he'd always say something like if a bunch of steaming soaking people angry run in and sit on your lap don't worry it's just the second house and it was it was always that thing of trying to please this audience in a 20 minute set and hope that they liked it because they paid good money to see you and you wanted to do the best you could but often they just weren't having it let's talk about uh, we've got two minutes left what's not in the book um, rings of power my friend come on <laughs> the tallest hobbit in the universe bada bada bing <laughs> tell us about working on the most expensive TV show ever made the billion dollar mega series but we don't I mean, the thing is, when we were doing it, we couldn't think about the money because otherwise it'd do our heads. It's a billion in. dollars, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't, I can't think about that. It was, it, for me, it was an exciting opportunity to be a person of color in a fantasy space where pe- people of color just aren't. So I wanted to be in that space because I've been reading comics and books like this since I was eight, and I just wanted to go. Here I am because when I was a kid, I was watching things like The Man from Uncle and Amos Burke and The Avengers, da, 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 da. watching all those shows, and God, I'd love to have a pointy quiff and chase after the bad. <laughs> guy with a gun and suddenly I get asked to be in the power of the rings and I went yeah I want to do that and I met the showrunners JD and Patrick and said so what's it going to be how's it going to be and they said you're going to be Irish (laughs) okay Okay, Dave Allen, Jimmy Cricket. I got a letter from me, Mammy. I can do that. And they said, and you're going to be a Harfoot, which is a thousand years before the Hobbits. And I said, that's interesting. And they're going to be nomadic. Okay, a nomadic tribe of people where there's people of colour there. That's great. Because now people are going to watch The Power of the Rings and they're going to see elves and hobbits and dwarves and they're going to see themselves and go, cool, I want to do that. And that's a 21st century way of looking at telling stories, and I salute it. Life is a roller coaster. Showbiz is the same under a magnifying glass. Uh, ups and downs, highs and lows, swings and roundabouts. Uh, you seem to be, you are, in an excellent place now, aren't you? Yeah, it's, it's a really good time. I'm a granddad. I'm loving that. Um, I'm in The Power of the Rings. I'm in The Witcher. 
uh, on Christmas Day. All four episodes drop on Christmas Day. <laughs> it's extraordinary. And um, I've got this book, and I'm doing children's books too. There's a book called The Book of Legends coming out soon about two kids who go into a magical kingdom to rescue their mum. And uh, I'm, I've really enjoyed the whole right. You know, I was literally like Angela Lansbury in Murder, she wrote during lockdown. It was ridiculous. I just wrote and wrote and wrote because I love the work. And life is difficult to navigate, but the work has handholds. And I think that's what this book is about. You look fantastic. Thank you very much. You don't look so bad yourself. No, you'd seriously, you look unbelievable. As, as good as well as I've ever seen you. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, I think when you pass through the di- diabetes cosmic cloud, you've got to figure out how to live your life. And um, it affects everybody in my family. So we're all trying to do that kind of diet thing and looking after ourselves, sweeteners in coffee and and uh, not so many pies. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's doing me good. Miss the pies, though. Uh, Lenny, pies I could literally, are great. I literally could talk to you probably for the rest of my life. Thank you very much. Um, it's been a joy. To, oh, you're amazing, mate. Rising to the surface, it's out now, Sir Lenny Henry. Got to go. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. Virgin Radio. Certain monks can be in such a meditative state that they will never laugh, even if you show them the video of the sneezing panda. But this next guest has a solution, with his show, The Russell Howard Hour, returning to Skymax tonight at 10.30pm. It's the funny guy from TV. I'm so excited, I've even showered. A stand-up comedian and stand-up fella, please welcome Russell Howard. Oh, Good morning, wow. Russell. How are you? I am in a terrific mood. <laughs> what a lovely, lovely welcome. Yeah. I love the fact that you've had, you've had a wash just to chat to me. How sweet. No, he had a wash just so he could say showered because it rhymed with Howard, but it was so far apart nobody noticed, including you. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Russell? I'm terrific. I was listening to that chat yes. about cars. My first car was a Peugeot 205. Great car. And... Apparently, they're now a bit of a collector's item. If I'd held on to it, it would be worth more than uh, five grand. How weird is that? More than it was when you bought it, depending on what condition it's in. What kind of model? What kind of two hundred five? It wasn't a GTI, presumably, because you, you're a kid. No, no, no. It was it was a blue Peugeot two hundred five, and I crashed it into a snowplow the only day that it snowed in nineteen ninety seven, and my granddad fixed it. Wow. With magic, so, magical granddad powers. That was back when cars could be tinkered and fixed. And yeah, I know. And there was a community, Sunday morning community of, of, of blokes usually tinkering with cars outside and having a chat and a cup of tea, you know, whilst doing yeah. so. Oh, Russell, Russell, Russell. <laughs> yeah, my son said, um, well, we were talking over the weekend about something. And I said, what do you like most about He's only 13, and he's talking to his mate. Oh, they were talking about the Minions. They went to see the new Minions film, Russell, right? And I said, what do you like most about it? And do you know what he said? Dad, nostalgia. I went, what? Oh, my God. You're 13. <laughs> uh, he, said, well, well, we, he said, we grew up with the Minions movies. I said, you're still oh. growing up. You haven't grown up yet. <laughs> what are you talking oh my God. about? What a beautiful image of your child just looking out of the window. I miss the, I miss the old days, father. <laughs> yes. That's so, I love it when that happens. You get my, my, my sister's kids, they watch the, um, you know, the Queen's meeting with Paddington Bear. Oh, yes, yes. So there's a four-year-old and he was talking to the nine-year-old. And watching the four-year-old explain to the nine-year-old what happened with the Queen is one of the best things I've ever seen. Because the four-year-old turned to the nine-year-old and said, you need to sit down. Paddington Bear is actually real. Sit down. (laughs) He's actually real. I've seen it. 
he, he, he eats marmalade sandwiches with the Queen. He's, he's actually real. And the nine-year-old couldn't believe it. It was wonderful. It's like this lovely moment of innocence. All right, so it so hasn't been the leanest of weeks for you as far as uh, Comedy Gold is concerned. What might be on the Russell Howard Hour upon its return for its new season this evening? 10.30pm on Skymax. So um, it's all about Liz Truss becoming our new leader. And we've sort of taken like a, a deep dive into her behaviour for the past 12 years. Turns out Therese Coffey, who's one of her closest um, supporters, said that the biggest thing she'd done in politics was reintroduce beavers. Um, we've got a look at her £235 million cut, which led to all the kind of sewage discharge that we've had this year. Um, we've got playground politics where all the kids are uh, saying what they'd like to say to Boris Johnson. Um, and we've got uh, the stand-up with Jamali Maddox, and I'm doing quite a long section about artificial intelligence and uh, trying to sort of, you know, look into that. So it's pretty stuff. It's like a half an hour show. It's banging. It's really funny. All right. So, and how do you feel about it? You know, what's your, what's your vibe? <clears throat> what's my vibe? My yeah. vibe is it's just lovely to be back. We, you know, there's kind of 500 people in the studio. They're all laughing. There's a real energy. It feels like, I feel a bit like an apocalypse clown, if I'm honest. But it's it's a really... It's a really interesting time to talk about sort of societal issues and political issues because people are genuinely fascinated. And my job as a comedian is to kind of poke fun and make people laugh at the uh, the madness of it all. I think. Okay, now you're dead busy. You're so busy that we got a lovely message from your your people last night because you were due to come in um, live today, and it would have been lovely I know, to see I'm you. Gutted, man. No, I understand. I, re- I understand. I get it because you're you genuine. This show takes a lot of prep, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I start I start at ten o'clock, so we got the guys. They'll be on a Zoom with me, and then we uh, yeah we start writing it again. So we'll be looking at uh, Liz Truss's kind of energy bill and seeing the effect that that has. Because last week, some of the headlines coming out that there's there was talk about pubs. Closing it's an amazing story, but I think Tom Carriage yeah, going the bill's gone up from like sixty grand to four hundred and twenty grand. So I quite like the idea of trying to write a bit about the majesty of pubs <laughs> and why we can't let them close. So do you know what I mean? It's like trying to find a bit of I don't know, kind of soul inside the the steel of the news. I yeah, guess. and that means in Tom's case, that increase uh, means that he's going to have to sell ten more stakes this weekend to cover the cost. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, Tom. Uh, right, who else? So, on your radar uh, this week, you told us. Do you have an ongoing narrative throughout the ser- series? No, no idea because um, it just, you know, we just reacted to the news. So, whatever happens, happens. Um, yeah, it's, that's what's so exciting about it that you genuinely, every week, you start fresh and it's new kind of comedy homework. Um, and I love it. And it just, it, it, what I love doing, I like making a comedy club funny show for TV, yeah. you know? It's it, it just it's so it's such a live show. We kind of do it in forty five minutes, and yeah, it's brilliant. Well, it's but who knows what's going to happen? Though. Okay, well, it's a tough nut to crack, and you'll be all over it, Russell. When you can't make it over here, you're very welcome. Uh, come and co-host the show. Just stick around. Just have some fun with us. It'd be great. Love to. All right, cheers, Russell. See you, man. Ta-da. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. Virgin Radio. They say you should put yourself in uncomfortable positions, but this group of likely lads take it to the next level. He stars in the fourth series of Sky Original Comedy Brassic, which is back on Wednesday. Now, they say these lads are trouble and even a wee bit scrawny, but with laughs like this, how can you not love them? It's Damien Maloney! <laughs> All right, Damien! Hey, good morning, good morning. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> I was going to carry... I'm getting a bit... I'm getting my mojo back. Meet 
meets Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yes, yes. Meets, meets Quadrophenia. Mm-hmm. Meets Top Gear. Meets Cash in the Attic. What do you think? I'm very honoured to be associated with, with all of those shows. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. What I love about Brassic um, is just how funny it is, you know? And, and we start here on Series 4. We've got um, cannibals. We get kidnapped by cannibals. Uh, we buy a greyhound that won't race. Um, we get lost in the woods um, and stumble across a satanic cult. Um, and then Tomo has a new car. We were talking about cars earlier. He has a, a mobile erotic parlour which we tear around the countryside on. Which is one of the greatest vehicles of all time. <laughs> you know, I've looked at some car auctions over the weekend forthcoming. There's one at Goodwood, there's one at uh, Bista Heritage Centre. None of them have a vehicle anywhere mm. close to what that's like. So for people who have no idea what we're talking about, what is Brassic and who is the main gang? Uh, the main gang. So we, uh, we are a, a gang of best mates uh, who are tearing around um, uh, the north of England um, having a laugh, um, uh, making a go of it, um, and trying to make as much money as possible, um, getting up to various vaguely criminal activities, um, but all with a, with a, a kind of a heart of gold. Um, and we're not very good at what we do, so we rarely ever, ever do it right or, or get the money. or yeah. um, And so it, in all of the funny things that you can imagine happening to a, a gang of lovable Egypts, um that's uh, very much on show. So a, sh- a constant ship of fools foolishly planning all the time. Um, the plan is usually there's no plan, but they pretend to have one. Exactly. And who are the main players on the team sheet? So, yes, yeah, so we've got um, Vinny, uh, played by Joseph Gilgan. Uh, we've got Aaron, played by Michelle Keegan. We've got uh, Tomo, Ryan Sampson. We have Aaron Heffernan, who plays Ash. We've um, um, Tom Hansen, who plays Cardi. We've got Brona Gallagher, who plays Carol. We've got awesome. uh, Dominic West, who plays uh, the worst GP uh, on the planet. <laughs> or the best. No, no, the yeah, best. Or the best. <laughs> or the best. Very, very fair. Um, so we've got this great gang um, of pals. And of course, we've got Steve Evitz, um, uh, our farmer, who um, uh, has questionable views um, on, on everything. So, um, so episode one, because the great thing is every episode has so much going on. It's the classic three-story arc sitcom, isn't it? So, you know, there's the main arc and there's arc A, B and C, and that's how it works. But they're fan fantastic and there's loads of movement there's loads there's loads of sort of um you know lo- loads of road shots it's, everyone's a little mini road movie somehow there's always lots of vehicular action in there um, the main thrust of of episode one of season four i think we could say is that somebody's getting married yes yes thank you for reminding me um yes so babs is getting married yeah, to, um, to Ringo. Who's ahead the ball. Everybody's ahead the ball, aren't they? <laughs> there's lots of travelling, there's lots of journeys in Brassic. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so we head off on a journey to, to, to uh, well, also to find Aaron. The end of Series 3, Aaron went missing. Right. Um, but so, Aaron happens to maybe be via Dr Dominic's... Um, uh, NHS search. NHS, illegal NHS yeah. search. She may be within 60 miles of this wedding as well. Yes. All in Wales. Exactly. So we've got a lot of Welsh travelling countryside shots going on. Exactly. And I thought we were filming in Wales and um, bizarrely one of the um, the branded um, sky vans that has all of our faces on the Brassic uh, van pulled into the car park where we were filming yes. and we were like oh my god Sky have sent down the Brassic van to say hello to us and he was yeah. like I just stopped in for a packet of crisps and a cup of coffee <laughs> it was really funny so obviously then we spent the rest of the afternoon getting shots of ourselves beside the Brassic van and driving the Brassic van and getting no work done so that's a kind of a, a regular day on Brassic so um, season five I I understand it's underway. Yeah, filming at the moment. I mean, come on. Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting. I remember after season one, you didn't know whether you had a season two or a three. Yeah. And here you are, five series in. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, 
if you were to ask me what we filmed on a day-to-day basis, I wouldn't even be able to tell you what the difference Can't between remember. the various episodes are because <laughs> every day is 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 insane. Just yeah. give us give us a bit of a scoop without giving anything away. Season five. How, how much have you been involved in filming season five so far? Uh, none yet. Oh none right, yet. okay. That's but have you heard from the gang? What's yes. Going on? Um, so where, where might they be? What might they be doing? More of the same. More of the same. I think there are big changes. I think. Ooh. Did someone mention? Uh, someone mentioned the word prison, maybe. But I don't know. I don't know, and I can, certainly can't say any more than that. Okay. And have you se- have you seen any of this season, season four, no, this far? I've seen none of season four. And have so they sent you all of them? No, but I'm going to tune in with the rest of the world what, on, every um, week on Wednesday. Yeah, I'll probably watch. I'll probably treat myself to two episodes on Wednesday because I've got all of them here on my laptop. Oh if you wow! Want them. Oh my god! Yeah, please. We could watch them right, right now after the show. Yeah, I love it after the show. And of course, um, pubs and things very much, you know, part of the secret ingredients. Um, what happens in the pubs after filming? Anything? Do you know what we we've matured as actors oh, much come on. more, Why? Much Why more than the that? characters that What's we play. Series, series one, we would always be in the pub after filming. The, the what the pubs that are featured in the show? No, no, never those. No, never those ones. Okay. Um, never, mainly because those ones are only open at the weekends, and okay. we were we were always, you know back home. Um, we spend most of our time now going to bed at eight o'clock every night, and then treating ourselves to a Sunday roast and a cinema trip as a cast. Well, you do look very on well. the Sundays. Well, very well. <laughs> Jamie, thanks, man. Thanks, Is there anything man. else you want to say to people listening about Brassic as uh, it comes back, hurtles back to our screens? on Wednesday night well listen you've got, we've got a great show called Brassic starts on uh, Wednesday at 10 o'clock on Sky Max which is a show about a group of guys a group of mates um, sticking together when times get tough and times all are always tough mm, it would seem for sure yeah and happiness is an inside job exactly Got it. Lovely. Damien, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Damien Merlin, Brassic season four is back, back, back. Vassus, anything to add? I love this show. I'd forgotten how much I love this show. And we go on about it every season, about how much we love it. And then I started watching episode one last night and I realised, oh, God, I really I love this. how good yeah. it was. Shana, have you seen it? I've not seen it. OK. It's all on my laptop. I'm going to watch. I, well, I've been sold. I've been absolutely sold. Good. Start from the beginning. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. Virgin Radio. Okay, we've heard from a bunch of incredible guests already, but still to come. Editor-in-Chief of British Vogue, Edward Ennefull, chats his brilliant new memoir, A Visible Man. The amazing Aidan Turner tells us all about ITV's new thrilling drama, The Suspect. Broadcasting superstar Vanessa Feltz drops by ahead of her brand new drive time show on Talk TV. And Strictly Come Dancing judge Motsi Mabusi shares her riveting life story in her new book, Finding My Own Rhythm. So let's get right back to it now. Ginger Jack, who's next? When I get spotted on a train, it's because I look a little bit like Ron Weasley. But when this next guest is spotted, he gets a modelling contract. Life can be so unfair. His new memoir, A Visible Man, is out today. Madonna sang about it, and now he runs it. How wonderful. Changing the world one cover page at a time, it's Edward Edifal! Yeah, Edward Edifal. How are you, Edward? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on the book. And an Thank amazing you. life. Thank you. Thus far, um, have you, my first question is: Have you been to Anna Winter's house on Long Island? I have actually. Of course, you have. <laughs> for, for people who don't know, who is she? Uh, what is her legend? Why is she so good at her job? Anna is, you know, a legendary editor. She's opened the door for so many. She's championed the fashion industry from great heights. And yeah, well, you know, she she opened the door for me. She employed me at US Vogue in two thousand and four, and that sort of really helped me get 
to where I am today. Okay, and I got to tell you because I your your book it just got all my juices flowing in all the right places. So yes, oh, thank you. Last night, whilst I'm finishing the book, um, my wife logs on uh, on our laptop and watches that amazing documentary, The September Issue. Yes, yes. And you're in that quite a lot. That was shot in 2007. Yes, I was a young editor then. Yeah, yes. So tell us about that time and tell us about that documentary. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'd I'd, I'd, let, I'd left London. I got a call from. Anna's office to come and work for American Vogue, where I worked for seven years. But I was like a fish out of water. You know, I'd been in London, you know, a cool stylist, and there I was at this institution of Americanness, so to say. And it was very, very different. You know, everything had to be approved. You know, you shoot a story, a fashion story, and you thought it was in the magazine, and the next minute it'll be in the bin. So I was just <laughs> to making sense of everything in that in that film. And what's great for me about it was uh, I did. I know I did before I watched the documentary and read your book um, that the September issue is such a big deal. Mm. And of course, here we are, September the 6th. So I yep. pick up a copy of Vogue on the way in today at the, the, the petrol oh, station. fantastic, with Linda Evangelista on the cover. Yeah, and I'm thinking, is it the same for UK Vogue? And it is the same. The September yes. issue is the big deal. Yes, someone says September is the January of fashion. Yeah, and it's. It, but also we were talking today off the back of that. You know, for us, for especially parents, September we think is the real start of the new year. It's not really January, and no. you obviously feel the same. Why is it so important? Because it's it's sort of the, the beginning of the season, as we call it. You've, you'd have just come from the fashion week, new clothes, new ideas, and advertisers, really, that's the, that's the month they love the most. So yeah. the September issue, yeah, it's our biggest issue of the year. And it takes mm. longer to compile than any other issue, does it? Well, there are more pages generally. Right. Okay. You know, you you have to work twice as hard. And do you take do you, do you take US Vogue's lead? Do you, do you sort of because it's all Condé Nast, isn't it? So do you, do you do you talk to each other about what? No, you're we talk, do? we talk to each other at the moment. You know, we're we're a global company. We talk to each other. We share we share some stories, but every country is still sort of its own thing. Yeah. Okay. And um, when you look at now that you have the big job, you are the big dog yourself here in the UK and in Europe. Uh, do you wait for Anna's September issue? Do you compare it to yours? What you might have done? What she's done? What oh, no, she you might... know, British women are very different. British women are original. You know, British women are incredible. Women generally are incredible. And Amer- you know, Anna deals with American women who are also amazing. So it's two different points of view. Yeah. You know? uh, when you, you talk in the book about 2017, when you got the call or the were whispers uh, saying that the incumbent, previous incumbent of 20 odd years of British UK Vogue was was leaving and you may have a chance of getting the job and then you got to pitch yourself to, to the owners of Condé Nast um, and what did you do? So first of all the process began with you looking back through the 100 years odd history of Vogue. Tell, tell us what, tell us how you prepared to try, to try and bag the big gig that you now have. <laughs> I mean you know I went, I went through all the old issues looked at you know, it's the strengths, the weaknesses, but also I looked around the world we lived in and saw, you know, so many people I, I saw not represented, you know, women of a certain age, you know, women of a certain size, you know, race. And I thought I wanted to create a magazine that reflected Britain today in all its glory. And so, that was that was the thrust that of was your the pitch, pitch yes. wasn't it? Because yes. you felt anyhow that Vogue had been drifting away from Britishness for one reason or another, and it probably didn't know why it just was. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a sign of the times, I suppose. But, you know, that's why, you know, I guess I was brought in to, 
you know, sort of bring a different point of view. So you come from Ghana, you land in Britain in Ghana. How old were you? 13. 13 years old. Okay, wet behind the ears. Wet. (laughs) Dripping wet behind the ears. Um, Not a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of. Nothing. You know, and here we are, 37 years later, and you the... A round of applause, you're the editor. Oh, thank you. That is so cool. I'm so pleased and so happy for you because you, you are such an inspiration to everybody everyone oh, look you, how Chris. far you can go where, when did you find out what time of day was it what day was it where were you okay, what I'll, did you do who were you with blah 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 blah. well I was in New York yep. and I got a call from Jonathan Newhouse uh-huh. who was the chairman of Condé Nast he asked me to lunch so I went to lunch and he said you know I don't I don't I don't know if you're going to get this job but you know can uh, can you just look at this press release for me and help me because I'm having problems I looked at the press release and the press release said Edward Enninfall is the new editor of British Folk and I was like you're kidding <laughs> so that's how Jonathan presented it to me <laughs> that's a cool way of doing it, <laughs> it isn't was it? the best way and that's I realized the press release was prepared and and then the rest I so what say. did you do next I literally packed up New York and moved to London with with my dog and you know my part my, my husband at the moment. Yeah, congratulations. Oh, thank you and so much is, for having me. And isn't it a great story that all the things that could have and did go against you for a time in the end were the things that completely went for you, and that's the lesson. Yeah, and that's also that's why the book is called A Visible Man yeah. because all those things are supposed to make you invisible. Is there anything you'd like to say? Because we'll put, we'll put this as a pop up podcast, shall we? Of course, we must. Of course. So and that'll be there forever. What would you like to say? to people forever because this will be a podcast and it'll be up there until yeah i'm like you know if if you're you know if you're suffering if you're going through hard times you know just realize that you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel you know i came i came to england penniless and i wasn't supposed i wasn't supposed to be here really and here i am and if i can do it most people can. Really. Okay, and one fashion tip for us all on this Tuesday. <laughs> what can make any outfit better? A for a bloke, B for a woman. For a woman, a nice a nice piece of jewellery, you know. And for a man, I'll say flat front trousers. All I've all I've won my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so so not far too short. Short. Well, I mean, it's very brave. I mean, that's your style. What or, can I say? Or foolish. Uh, Edward, thank I you wish so. I could get away with short shorts. I'll give it a go. Um, Edward Enninfall, his book, A Visible Man, is out now, and it's one of the most inspirational books I have ever read. So oh. thank you, Edward. Happy Christmas. Thank- Happy Christmas. Thank you, Let's Chris. Let's do that, shall Happy we? Christmas. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. Virgin Radio. Get the big band ready. Polish that glitter ball and make sure all the sequence is stitched. Because because this lady deserves strictly the finest. Her new memoir, Finding My Own Rhythm, is out today. We've all got ballroom fever here in the studio. I'm shaking my hips and my wee tushy. She gets a 10, 10, 10 from me. Please welcome Motsi Mabasi! <laughs> morning, Motsi! Congratulations morning. on your book. Thank you. How was you writing it? Uh, what did you learn about yourself uh, reflecting uh-huh. on your past, uh, present and perhaps future? Well, I have learned that I ha- I'm still finding my rhythm. I don't think we will find it. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. I, I, I'm like, oh, my gosh, was that me? But it is what it is, and I stand to my truth. <laughs> well, it's a great book. It's a great story. I've read the first half, so I've read your Old Testament. Yes. My colleagues have read your New Testament. Yes. So let's get to grips with it now. Uh, uh, I love the part of the book where you talk about seeing a couple ballroom dance for the first time and being 
sort of enchanted by it, bewitched yes. by it. And your mum said, we need to go home now. And you said, no, no, mum, I need to carry on watching this. You've yes. never seen it before. You no. like dancing anyway, but yes. you've never seen this kind of dancing. Yeah. You, you couldn't take your eyes off it. Your mum had to tear you away in the end. And you said straight away, you knew then and there, that's what you wanted to do. Yes. Um, like, literally, I talk a lot and it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the first time that my parents, like, she's speechless. And it was awkward because they didn't even know where to start about this ballroom dancing but it caught on and uh, I loved it I loved the dresses I loved the performance my parents loved music so it combined everything in like one 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 type of dancing so did you have to convince them or how did that work I, I no I didn't have to convince them I was just like okay that's what we're gonna do and my mom's like okay my kids want to do this this is what we're gonna do and we didn't have a space to dance so she was a kindergarten teacher and she moved the furniture she found a friend that could do a small cha-cha-cha the girlfriend came for the weekend and we did a cha-cha-cha by Sunday we could do it we could do it so we we're like what's next um, but yeah it isn't was- it funny though that you, you knew this is what you wanted to do and then you had a go and in a couple of days people could spot the fact that you had some genuine god-given talent yes so these two ideas sort of met yes together yes is that how you felt well i felt i felt free for the first time and Interesting. it's funny to say that as a nine-year-old but i was just like really when i dance i just disappeared into my own kind of activities in my head so um i think that and the energy that i have anyway just came together and i was like uh, i'm not leaving this place right and that was your language it became your yeah. your most sort of your favorite language and the one you were best at and the one you most wanted to convey and do useful things with and here yeah. you are now 41 now 41 41 how's, it, how's that feel <laughs> it feels it feels young when i'm around older people <laughs> well you, you but, can stay as long as you like <laughs> that, but, you know that that hurt so much. No, I, it wasn't intended in this room. Yeah, but that's the room we're in. There's no other room available right now. No, good for you. By the way, can I just congratulate you on that amazing jumpsuit, Rachel? Oh, your jumpsuit, it's like a beautiful sort of lilac, isn't it? Yeah. And you can do anything in that jumpsuit. Right, so you're nine. You've been dancing for three days. Yes. In your mum's kindergarten space. She brought yeah. a pan in, they cleared the chairs, yeah. and you gave it all the beans, and they went, yeah. whoa, look at her go. What yeah. happened next? What happened next is that we did that for the rest of our lives uh, like literally we went into the dance hall um, it grew and grew we found a bigger hall then a lot of kids came we moved into another hall then it was just the weekends then it was the holidays then it was like the week it just became like a, a daily thing um, but where did you get all this where did you get the dancing sort of um, uh, assistance from because it because it was it was your yeah. mum's mate and then it was professional and then yeah. they were paying for lessons yeah just give us a bit of that we I, I first of all our teachers were video cassettes right. so we had the video cassettes UK open Blackpool and we'd watch them like crazy over and then we met other teachers uh, I met my first teacher Tebucho they were three hours away from us and then they introduced yeah three hours we drove three hours on the weekends and three hours back and then uh, they introduced us to another person who introduced us uh, to um, international judges so it just became this whole thing that became bigger and bigger and bigger 
In the book, you uh, this is a lovely. This is a lovely. Uh, I was born and brought up very near to Blackpool, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and you talk about this documentary with yes. Kevin and yes. Joe Clifton. Yes, um, uh, that you watched yes. as a kid. Yes, um, because they were really amazing young ballroom dancers, and their yes. mum and dad were as well. Yes, weren't they? Exactly. but there was this. I've never seen this documentary. Obviously, yeah. it was made years and years ago with Kevin and Joe, who were yeah. friends of ours now. Yeah, and obviously they've gone on to to not bigger necessarily better things, but yeah. more sort of um, well known things. Yeah. Yeah. And you, in the book you say how beautiful Blackpool looked, and I'm like, I'm like must, yeah. have, must have been a really good day. No reflection on Blackpool itself. Just just the weather in the northwest is not amazing, but uh, Blackpool is very much um, the beating heart of ballroom dancing, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is till this day. It's just iconic. And you know, the minute you walk as a dancer in our dance industry, when you walk into that winter garden and you see the lights and the atmosphere, it's like you've come into dance heaven and and it was always exclusive for the older couples i really didn't think that younger couples have their black pool so seeing kevin cool and i was like this this is what i'm meant yes. to do this is where i need to go yeah. not las vegas not hollywood Blackpool. So you went to Germany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why did you say that? <laughs> right. So how the heck did you get to Germany? And it's very, it's very significant and yeah. pivotal in your whole Korea. journey, isn't it? Yes. I, I met a boy. I met a young German boy, and he showed interest in my personality. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, I moved there. It, it, it felt kind of safe at that point. And it would have been something that I, I said to my parents, I'm doing it for a year. And now it's been 21 years and I still live in Germany and um, I travel. Yeah, it's my home. Uh, Mossy, it's great to meet you. <laughs> very, Seriously, very you've nice. got great energy. Really good. And you're only 41. Uh, 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 you've got years to come. you got years. If you want it, you've got years to come in the, in the spotlight. And I know you, you uh, love the old spotlight, which is yeah. great. Um, thanks so much. Thank you, guys. It was so great to Okay, hear. and also, Matsy's off to our favourite post-show engagement. She's off to This, this Morning. morning. Yes. This, this Morning. morning. <laughs> Give our love yes. to those guys. I will. Thank you. Cheers, Marcy. Bye, guys. Bye, bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. Virgin Radio. Want to get your blood pumping? Well, no need to go to an overpriced theme park or drive a flashy car because when this guest is on the screen, your heart will be racing. He stars in five-part psychological thriller The Suspect, which airs on Monday nights at 9pm on ITV. His career is on fire. It's even hotter than a Bunsen burner. A master of thriller. Please say hello to Ed and Donna! Look at that smile. Oh, wow. Hi, Aiden. How are you doing? What an introduction. How good is he? <laughs> That's amazing. Please take him with you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. That was absolutely awesome. Oh. How are you, my friend? I'm really good. So yeah. the last time we saw each other was backstage in your dressing room. That's right. I was a very sweaty, bloody uh, yeah, post-show actor. Yeah. <laughs> Just to remind everybody what that was, it was a fantastic play, by the way. Yeah, it was the Lieutenant of Inishmore, yeah. Mark McDonough play, and it was at the, the Noel Carroll Theatre. I was yeah. trying to work out how many years ago, I think four or five. Well, possibly, I'd, I'd say maybe more than that even. Wow. Who knows? Eh? Wow. But time flies, doesn't it? You're looking really well. Thank you. Seriously. Cheers. There's been a lot of talk about that beard. Oh, has there now? <laughs> Do you right. know about this? Um, I suspect. <laughs>
expected there might be. Uh, yeah, it's a different look, but um, it seems to make sense for the character. No, it makes it, don't be defensive about it. Just enjoy it. Don't yeah, worry about it. Yeah. So you had a suspicion about the suspect and the beard. Sure. All right, let's get right into this. Intern of the suspect, ITV. Um, uh, can you frame it for people who have not joined it yet? Because you can still join it. Uh, first two episodes have already aired. Episode three this week. Uh, but of course, on the ITV Hub, you can catch up. And what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a five-part psychological thriller. I play uh, Joe, who is uh, who is a psychologist, and he has uh, he's working with the police to try and find out who um, uh, who, who who killed this uh, young girl. Uh, who was found in a London cemetery. Um, but as we watch the show, we can kind of figure out as an audience that Joe knows a little bit too much about this person, uh, this victim. And, uh, yeah, we're trying to figure out as an audience how much she's involved. Beautifully teased there. <laughs> it's really hard to tease this show. I find I ruin it all the time. I say too much. I give away too much. I've tried to do it with friends and family, and, and I blow it. So, uh, yeah, I'm always nervous about saying too much. I thought that was pretty good, aren't you, Rachel? Yeah. I thought that was a perfect upsum. So I've watched the first episode, and I was gripped. Because, I mean, from the first five minutes, the tension is sky high. And then, as you say, it just starts to drip in. You think you know what's happening, and then you don't. Right, yeah. That's kind of the idea. I mean, as as an audience or, or as a reader myself reading the scripts, I mean, that's something that I always find very interesting. You don't know what the deal is with the protagonist or whether the protagonist is an antagonist and, and you're, you're trying to figure out where they lie in the story. Uh, so I think Joe is a pretty shady guy. Well, we think he is. He may be putting the psycho in psychologist. Possibly. Vasus, uh, what's your take? I thought it was very undoing-y because... You kind of... Is that OK? You, is that OK? <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, you know, Hugh Grant, and, and you sort of love him, but you sort of think, yeah, but is he a murderer? Quite keen to know if <laughs> like, you did it. Sure. <laughs> but you've yeah. given a bit too much away there, Vassos. You didn't go to the school of how to tease without spoiling. Well, no, because episode one aired two weeks ago, <laughs> and that's all I've seen. Yeah. So I feel like I'm, I'm on safe I'm ground here. Right, if I'd you... seen episodes three, four, and five, which haven't aired yet, and yeah. then I gave away, you know... Spider-Man's the... Spider Parallel Universe. Yeah, that one. Yeah, okay. I mean, I've, I'm, I am the master of giving stuff away, but I just don't feel like I've, I know enough to give Aiden. this away. Although Aiden. I would if I did. Aiden, Aiden, <laughs> give him some tips, will you, please? Aiden Turner, give Buster Alexander some tips. Come I, on. I don't know how to give you tips on that. I'm terrible at it too. I'm, I'm terrible at, at teasing these things. I, I don't know what to say. Um, when's the next episode out? Next week, next Monday. Monday. You, I think more will be revealed then. Well, hopefully, there's no point in the rest of the series. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Even though, so, Vasus, you clearly didn't watch it via the ITV press platform. You watched it on the, via the hub, did you? Yeah, I just watched it on the telly. Um, oh, you watched I, it on the telly. Okay. Unbeknownst to me, our eight-year-old daughter was in the room. Um, she just saw the first bit, the, the oh. hero bit with the with the ledge. Don't you, and you, the you, you, you just... <laughs> Stop it's, it. It's already been on telly. That yeah, bit but might you, be allowed. But you hadn't seen it till last night, and other people may not be seeing it, because we're encouraging people to go to it. There may or may not be a hero bit with a ledge. Stop it! <laughs> there may or may not be. Yeah. He did say may not be. There might not be a hero bit with a ledge at the very beginning of the show. <laughs> Do you know what? You're anything but a ledge, mate. There was a time... Because you were in uh, a Hobbit thing and because you've been in a Poldark thing, uh, I know there's Comic Con. Have you done Comic Cons? Uh, yeah. With the Hobbit? Yeah. We can talk about that a lot now. Um, right. Because they're massive. Aren't they? There's huge they're deals, aren't they? Yeah, the, the big one in San Diego. and There's a few of them around, yeah. And is there a Poldark Con? 
Um, no, but there are other sort of, there's a, like a London Comic-Con thing. There's, there's all different sort of uh, uh, variants of these Comic-Con festivals. There's like fan events that, that sometimes pop up. That, Poldark ones? Um, I don't know if there's a, no, I don't think there's a Poldark one, but you will often get Poldark things to sign. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it can mean anything. Things, come on. I mean, I, yeah. Poldark things to sign. I, I, I meant like, you a know, horse. photographs. Here's my horse when you sign it. You might get tiny horses to sign. Yeah, yeah. Or tiny. Yeah, or figurines, or like knitted pole dark characters. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. People's arms. Yeah, it, it, can, it can get weird. <laughs> uh, you, I think we talked about that before. So, 2019 was when you left Pole Dark Shire. Yeah. Have you been back to Cornwall? Uh, I have not been back to Cornwall. No. Right. Uh, but I do want to go back. It, it seems like a, a long way away from London, but no, there will be a time when I go back soon. I miss it. Okay, good. Is there anything you'd like to say to our audience before you go? It's been great to see you again, Pat. It's great to see you again. No, just uh, uh, catch up with The Suspect. I think we already gave a lot of plugs, but yeah, it's on the ITV Hub and it's it's Monday uh, uh, nights at nine o'clock ITV. Yeah, and it's all very good. It's a very professional and competent affair. It's very gripping. Mira watched it on her own last night. She was just scared. Scared. Okay. Um, scared uh, what's the word? I'm, I know the word I want to say is. I know too. Scared silly-less. Scared silly-less <laughs> is, is what works. she was. Um, and almost no spoilers there from Vassos. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being <laughs> careful now. Did we, did we work out if, if Joe killed her? No. We, uh, <laughs> what is wrong with him? What is wrong with this man that I work with? Uh, it's very good. I tell you, I was so stressed after watching it, I had to watch another episode of Brassic. <laughs> Have you seen Brassic? Have <laughs> you heard of Brassic? I've heard of it. Oh, You've got to watch it, Aiden. It's worth watching. That's my yeah. gift to you. Watch okay, Brassic. thank you. Have I'll you seen Ted out. Lasso? Yes, I have. Have you seen the rehearsal? The rehearsal? Yeah. No, I don't you know what watch that the is. Rehearsal. Um, what's the French thing again about the talent agency? Oh, uh, the uh, call, call my agent. Call yeah. my agent. You seen that? That's on the list as well. I don't watch a lot of TV. No, nor do I. But when I, because it, but it's never been better, has yeah, it? Yeah, right. It's well, never been better. Mm. All right, that's Aidan Turner. Um, off he pops. Uh, the suspect. Episode three of five continues Monday nine pm. You can catch up on all of the episodes so far though on the ITV Hub, which is what we did last night. Aidan, thank you. Thank you so much. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. Virgin Radio. Times are hard and you don't always know where to turn. But finally, we have a voice for the people, a figure for the future and someone who's looking out for you. Our next guest takes over on Talk TV's weekday drive time show today from 4 till 7pm. She tells your truth no matter who upsets. Please welcome a broadcasting legend, it's Vanessa Fair! <laughs> The normal bloke's got a dental appointment. I can only apologise. <laughs> well done, sir. Well it's done. It's so nice to see you. I can't even believe you I'm are... looking at your lovely face. Because we are proper mates, aren't we? We haven't seen each other for ages, but we're proper mates. Proper mates. What about when we used to have the Friday hug? I used to look forward to it all I week. know, and you were always so nice to me back at the old place, and we had a proper friendship, and it's amazing when you work in this business in a sort of labyrinthine studio complex like this. Sometimes you don't see people ever that you work with, but we always made a point of seeing each other. In fact, you were the better at that than me and you taught me how to do it, so thank you. Oh, it's a real pleasure. It's completely and utterly magnificent to see you again and really extraordinary <laughs> to be in this brand new, shiny, yeah. happy, lovely environment <laughs> um, at this stage in my life and at this stage in the day and just everything about it is... I'm well overexcited, as you can probably it's tell. good, good. It's great. And once again, your burden is light. Yes. How does that feel? It feels fantastic. 
fantastic. Yeah. What about the fact that I may actually sleep a bit? That might be good. Yeah, yeah. Think how beautiful I'll be when I've slept. <laughs> Exquisite. So, so That's Vassos. I can't believe I'm seeing the lovely Vassos. We've been we getting used to collide in the lift. I always <laughs> hoped to collide with him in the lift. Colliding with him in the lift was oh, fabulous. I used to make a point of it, Vanessa. <laughs> Here, 17 floors. Yes. There'll 17 be a long floors collision. of opportunity. I would like to collide with him over 17 floors. Yes, please. Yes, please. So the first thing, the most important thing is, and by the way, feel free to ask any questions on the air or off the air about working here. Uh, but the most important thing that nobody's prob- probably nobody's told you, just because it doesn't occur to them, is you know your pass, your yes. pass to get in. Yeah. So what happens is when you when you present your pass to the barcode reading device, the digital recognition device, it then knows where you're going and it calls the lift for you so that when you walk through the turnstile the lift because there are eight lifts here there are actually 16 because each <laughs> each shaft has two but um when you when you there'll be a, a lift the, the doors, doors will be open that's already knows where you want to go that's one reason for coming to work i had here. that written to my contract <laughs> i had a sedan chair at the top of the escalator to carry me to the lift which is already open and has some lovely chicken soup just gently warming in the corner to sustain me as i go up the 17 floors i'm not impressed by the door opening it's a lot more than All that right, that i've okay. demanded i've okay. become very very All demanding right. in my old well, age very I, we like we like the the diva <laughs> aspect of vanessa Pell. i just like the way you're just yourself just talking about buttons and levers and electronics Thing, oh. As if I give an absolute damn about that sort of stuff. You know I don't care about that. No, I know. How the lift intimately connects to the but it's cool, machinery. Though. What do you, I don't care? No, but I know it's I'm not a girl, that. I like girl stuff. Well, no, not that stuff. No, here's the thing. I'm just. All I'm saying is, yeah. when you go through the security bit, if the, the if you hadn't called the lift, that's already. I know you love saying that. Done. You want to tell me that again? I just about want to tell you again. Okay. It could save right. you years of your life. I'm thrilled by that. Um, really, that's the only reason I came. That lift thing. <laughs> I love that. The pass well, and the lift are intimately connected. What a day for you to. Start. Now, you're not just on the radio, you're on the telly. Yes. So it's Talk TV and Talk Radio from four o'clock this afternoon, Monday through Friday. Vanessa Feltz is back, back, back. Because we've been getting up at Silly Clock for the last 20 years, but you get up or have been getting up even earlier than we do. Yeah, I've been live on air at 4 a.m. What is that like? It is, is, well, when you're doing it, it's fabulous because you're talking to people who are doing all the stuff that keeps the country alive and afloat, you know, all the people everyone was clapping for in the pandemic. So everybody who's mending the bridges overnight and tending to the transport system and saving lives and climbing up horrible things in the dark, those people, those amazing people. So you feel fab the rest of your life. You feel absolutely terrible. Completely <laughs> nuked and absolutely knackered and oh, it's you know difficult. And I, I felt as if I was my own unpleasant headmistress, bossing myself around all the time. Go to bed. Don't do that. Fun? No. You know, dessert? No time. You know, the person that's actually the big concluding act of this fabulous concert? No. You've got to be going home in your coach, just like Cinderella. And who wants to be Cinderella? I don't. So you, the last time you put in a decent shift wasn't that long ago at the other place, was it? No, last week. Last, so. so <laughs> Because we took obviously we were away for a bit of garden leave, but but you're straight from one into the other. I've had one week off, so I was interviewing Rishi Sunak on the Jeremy Vine show last week. Right, yeah, week before last, yeah. Okay, and um, how was he? What did you sense from him? I sensed a lot of stuff actually. He was exceptionally charming and polite yeah. and and delightful. So you immediately thought, would I like to have dinner with him? Yeah. Would I like to be stuck with him in a lift for seventeen floors? Him or Vassos? It's a contest. Well, I don't see, know. You're you you're, you're going get me back to, to the elevators. You've come to but the then, right place. But I'm at the more human part of the elevator. You're much more the mechanics of the elevator. Um, But so charming and delightful, yes. And then he said this thing that I thought was absolutely cataclysmic, which was 
if I lose, I lose. I have to be honest. I have to say what I think honestly. And if I lose, I lose. And I thought that was the top line that every paper would go with. They didn't. They went with the scoop, which was, um, I don't want to serve under Liz Truss in the government. Which was also part of your conversation. Which was also part of the conversation. But I thought the key thing was, if I lose, I lose. What kind of a leader can ever either say that or think that. Did you, and of course you said all this on the BBC. Of course. <laughs> I never said a word about it. I said, thank you very much, Richie Sunak. It's so funny. Because listening to, listening to Jeremy anyway on his show, just, just you know, holding back, simmering inside, but not being able to sort of say anything that he thinks. You can almost hear what he thinks anyway. Oh. But listen, knowing you much better than I, Jeremy, when you first sat in front of him, I thought, Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> uh, because you're doing all the things you have to do, mm-hmm. but I, kn- I knew there was so much more going on under the water. I mean, I did say to Rishi Sunak, yeah. hang on a minute. Yeah. You know, and also he said twice, you can't have your cake and eat it. You can't have your cake and eat it. And I said, but Boris said exactly the opposite. Boris Johnson said, yeah. my policy on cake is A, having it, and B, eating it. And that got him elected. Surely we all want to have it and eat it. It's the bake-off. He's, he's, you know, it's, it's the bake-off You playbook. know, it all boils down to cake in this country. Of course always, it does. Doesn't it? It's three about- minutes to nine, which means we're at the top of the tower, heading for the top of the hour with Vanessa Feltz. On talk radio and talk television from four o'clock today, she's in the house. She's part of the gang. She's on the firm. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show, Virgin Radio. Okay, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to our Breakfast Show podcast. Catch you next time.